our discussion from last week. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we do thank you that we get to experience your presence. We get to fellowship together. We get to honor you and learn from you and enjoy you. And Lord, we are grateful that we do live in a country where we can do this freely. Where we don't have to hide. Where we can openly and publicly declare our faith and celebrate and, and worship together. And Father, we are very grateful for that and we don't take it for granted. There may come a point in time when we don't have that freedom anymore. But as long as we do, Father, we're going to take every bit of advantage of it. So, Lord, we just open our hearts to you and we ask you to continue to teach us today. Father, we, we're excited about your kingdom being advanced here in this area. And we're excited that we get to be a part of it. So we thank you, Lord. We just open ourselves to be taught by you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you want to turn to Ephesians 4. I may eventually get to that scripture, but if you just want to turn there. Last week we talked about uh, one of the two major things that I believe God's wanting to do here at New Covenant Fellowship. One of my shared that I believe God's wanting to develop a culture of expectation. Where we come on Sunday mornings, not just, ex- not just coming just so we can do our two hours of church and then move on with the rest of life. But we come on Sunday mornings and we expect to meet with God. We expect him to change us. We expect to encounter his presence in wonderful ways. And so he's wanting to increase our faith in that area where we meet with a living God who says he inhabits the praises of his people. So that's one thing, one area. And the other area is I believe the Lord wants to develop a culture of honor Here in this place. And basically that means to develop a relational environment. An environment where relationships can be established and be strong. And I shared last week about six things that I felt what I'm meaning and I'm thinking about when I'm talking about a culture of honor or relational environment. And uh, so someone says, well, what does a culture of honor look like? It would be it's a place where people value relationships. Or people value. You place a high value on relationships. That's what I'm talking about. Number two, a place where people are intentional in seeking and developing close, intimate, transparent relationships. So you don't just value them, but you show that you value them by being intentional and seeking out those kind of relationships. Number three, where people value accountability in relationships. You value accountability. In other words, you realize, just like I realize, that God did not call me to walk this walk by myself. But I need you. I need your, not just your fellowship and friendship, but I need the gift mix that you have. I need the accountability that you will offer to help me, because my desire is to stay on the path. To keep moving after Jesus, to keep going with him, to, to obtain all that he has for me. But we've all heard the stories and we, we see the situations, uh, unfortunately, too often 
where people start strong, but they stray off and they crash and burn. They start the race off, but they don't finish. And there's all kinds of statistics and, and I don't need to go into that, but I don't want to be a statistic. And I have friends, unfortunately, who up to this point are statistics. It doesn't mean that they will never turn back to fallen Lord. But I had a very dear friend in, in college. Uh, I know Gordon knows him. Uh, Gordon met he and me at the same. He and me. Is that, well, he met he and I, whatever the English pronunciation or whatever. Anyway, he met us at the same time. And my friend's name was Lewin. Anybody? Do you remember Lewin, uh, Wayne? You guys remember him? Well, he was a college buddy of mine. And he and I got saved the same day. And the dude was on fire. I mean, if you got too close to him, you start sweating. Because he was just hot. He was just a passionate evangelist for Jesus. And I thought, man, and he was about four foot nothing. I mean, the dude was small, but he was just a fireball. And I thought, when I grow up, I want to be like Lewin. You know, just passionate for Jesus, just witnessing and sharing the love of God wherever he went. But then something happened, and I don't know what happened to this day. He got discouraged or something, and he just kind of got off course. And I don't want that. And so um, I desire accountability, and, and we want a, an atmosphere, a relational environment, where we welcome accountability so we can sharpen each other, stay strong, and keep moving forward. So that's what I mean also by a culture of honor. Uh, Number four, where people seek to learn to walk in true biblical love towards one another. It's one thing to say, I love you, just lip service. And it's another thing to demonstrate that with true biblical love like Jesus talked about. When he says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. In John chapter 13, verse 35, somewhere around there. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. <clears throat> and number six, a culture of honor is a place where people value relationships and do all that they can to protect them. Now, you and I both realize that if you desire to move forward in relationship, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be obstacles that's going to hinder and try to tear you away from that. And if you value relationship enough, then you're going to do all you need to do and all you can to protect those relationships. And that's what I'm talking about. Not the, you know, you're in, all of a sudden you're, you're moving in a relationship and all of a sudden you have conflict with somebody and you say, oh, well. Oh, well. Is God's calling us somewhere else? Because that's typically what happens. Instead of dealing with the conflict, dealing with the uncomfortableness of the conflict, the stress, the strife that's going on, it's easier to back away and avoid. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And that's not walking in true biblical love, is it? So when we talk about a culture of honor here at New Covenant Fellowship, this is what I believe God is wanting to develop here. Last week we talked about why. Why is this important? And if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to, um, you can listen to it. It's on the internet as to why it's important to develop a culture of honor or why this relationship is important. Why is it not optional? I believe. I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a disciple 
or a follower of Jesus. As you're following him, you're allowing him to change you. He says he's going to make you a fisher of men. So if you are following him, then you are allowing him to take you into the process of relationships. Because to be a fisher of men, that involves relationships. Wouldn't you think? And so if I say, Jesus, I'm following you, where he's going to lead me right into an abundance of relationships different, on different levels, but basically relationship. Because if you look at how he modeled things, he called men unto himself, and then he modeled, he lived with them, he taught them, he worked with them, he probably played with them. They did all kinds of things together. And then on his way out, when he was killed, resurrected, heading up to the Father, he said, now... You go and do what I just did, what you saw me do. You do the same thing and teach others to do the same thing. Now, I'm kind of simplifying, paraphrasing. <clears throat> now, how and we saw how effective those disciples were. All except one who didn't get it. And they turned the world upside down. By living and modeling the example that they saw in Jesus. And that's what he's called us to do. So if we are a disciple of Jesus, then we will see that relationships are not optional. <coughs> Excuse me. So and, and we talked more on the why last week. And now we're going to talk about the how. How to participate in developing a culture of honor. I know personally it's more fun to talk about some of these things because it's all exciting than actually do it. It's because it's not as easy to do it. And the Bible talks about not just being hearers of the word, but being doers as well. And so today I want to talk about some hopefully practical things that we as a body can do to move together in developing, cooperating with God to develop a, an environment of relationship or a culture of honor. Okay? And I have 35 things. We'll just talk about six of them today. How's that? Okay, number one, the practical how-to, the how-tos of developing a culture of honor. Number one, it has to become non-optional to you. It has to be non-optional. This can't be one of those, <clears throat> this isn't a ministry option. This is non-optional. This is the way we have to choose to go. This is, this is what my life is about. Relationship, intentional relationship. And when we realize, when I realize that as a follower of Jesus, that's what it's about, then I say, okay, I'm in. Jesus, if that's what you're saying, if that's what you require, I'm in. And so as a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as a body, if we all buy in, then we'll be able to, we'll begin to see this kind of thing happen. But if you're kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to see, well, I don't know if I'm in. I don't know if I like this. I'll kind of wait and see or I'll watch and that kind of thing. And if we all have that mentality, then it's not going to happen. Things are going to stay the way they are. And maybe you're okay. Maybe you're content with the way things are. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about the kind of relationships where you can be in a church for years and years and years and see the same people but not even know, their, know anything about them. Not know, um, not know them any 
further than just casual acquaintance. <coughs> Thank you. Oh, I thought that was Sprite. No, I'm just kidding. <coughs> Thanks, Ron. <laughs> Um, you know, you hear people, there's an um, epidemic. No, it's not epidemic. Pandemic. It's pandemics when it's just gone worldwide. It's just crazy. And I've heard this from a pastor that um, loneliness is pandemic among people in our, in our society. People are lonely. And unfortunately, loneliness doesn't stop at the doors of the church but loneliness includes people who consider themselves Christians, who consider themselves followers of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Man. Because we don't, basically our culture doesn't really value relationship or the way our culture is established or set up. We're busy. We have a lot of things to do. We have a busy schedule and that kind of thing. And relationship isn't a high priority. So what happens is we find ourselves running through life having families, and finding ourselves lonely. And it's like, what is up with that? You can be surrounded by a bunch of people and still find yourself being lonely. And I believe, simplistically, it's because we're not engaging in the type of relationships that will meet that fellowship need. God has designed us for fellowship. I mean, think about it. We're going to live in heaven forever. Actually, we're not going to. I'm not going to go there. We're going to live with God forever, for eternity, and we're going to have relationship with each other. Be, it's going to, and that's going to be a, rela- or a culture of honor. I guarantee it. <clears throat> but we're going to be in a level of relationship that's going to be wonderful. And I believe the Lord wants us to begin to practice and experience somewhat, somewhat of that here on earth. Because I believe it's those kind of relationships that teach us. That cause us to grow, cause us to mature in Christ. Some of us are frustrated because we're reading our Bibles and we're praying and we're doing all kinds of nice, good Christian stuff. But we're finding ourselves not really growing in the maturity the way the Lord wants us to or the way we feel like we're supposed to be. And again, simply simply speaking, I believe it has to do with relationship because we are not entering into the type of relationship that's going to meet that need. So I want things to change. I want things to change in my life. I, want, I value, I'm beginning to value those kind of relationships because I have a great relationship with my wife. Now, I don't know what she thinks about me, but I have a great relationship with her. <clears throat> and that's wonderful. And that's what God wants. And we're growing together. But that's not the only relationship that God has called me to. I need relationships with my brothers. Got to have it. Now I'm beginning to learn that. Because before, to me, it was, it was optional. It was, it was one of those optional things. Yeah, I could take it or leave it. But I'm beginning to realize that to be a true follower and to walk in the fullness of God's will, it's becoming non-optional. I have to have my brothers in my life. And ladies, same thing with you. And we need to have relationship. We need to learn how to do it. Some of us are better at others than others, and some of us don't have a clue. 
But the number one thing is, is it has to become non-optional. Number two, you have to make room in your life for relationships. You have to make room in your life for relationships. And I need my two volunteers to come on up and help me with a simple illustration. Actually, it's a very complex illustration. So Let's see if I can do this. <clears throat> Now, these two guys stand shoulder to shoulder. <clears throat> oh, this, is, this is Scott, by the way. And this is Morgan. And they represent my life. And he represents all the hard work and all the, the busyness of my life. And he represents the apathy. Has nothing to do with Morgan. <laughs> but, they, but they represent things in my life. And for relationships, you have to make room in your life for relationship, okay, for the relationships. And I'm, I'm going to represent bringing relationships in. So you can guys scoot over for me so I can make room for relationships. Did I ever tell you how cooperative these guys were? Can you guys scoot over a little bit so I can make room? Please. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, I told you they were cooperative. Thanks, guys. See, the, the problem is, is that we, we say, okay, I want relationship, but we have life. We have a lot of busyness going on, and there's nothing wrong with business. I mean, some of our lives are very detailed, are very busy. Pretty much all of them are. And then we have some apathy, and I'll explain that in a second. But we cannot expect relationships just to happen in our lives. You know what I mean? It's not going to just happen. You have to make room. You have to be intentional. You have to fight your schedule to be intentional and say, I will make room for relationships in my life. If you don't, if you just say, how many of you have said this? Hey, we need to get together sometime. Yeah, that's a good idea. A year later, hey, good to see you again. You know, we need to get together sometime. You know, that's a good idea. Yeah, we ought to go out and have coffee and pie and that kind of Yeah. Two years later, hey, we need to get together sometime. Three, five, ten years goes by. You see the person, but you've never made room for that relationship. And see, what I deal with when I battle is... You know, you get busy, busy, and you're meeting with people and doing all this kind of stuff. But then it's like when you get home, after all the hard work and everything, you don't want to do nothing. And that's what I mean by the apathy. So you just want to, you work hard, and then you come home and you're like, okay, I just want to chill. I want to veg. Everybody leave me alone. I just want to push the buttons on the TV. Kid, get out of the way. can't see, you know. That's not what I do. I've heard about that kind of thing happening <laughs> in homes. You know, so you, so you have to battle with busy, 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 and then it's like I just want to crash and burn and veg. And now I get a three-day weekend, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and then you start the whole thing over again. And so if we wait until we either have time or we wait until we feel like it, it's not going to happen. Are you with me? It's not going to happen. So I have to make 
make it a point. I have to be intentional. Life is too busy to wait until there's time to develop relationships. And I appreciate what what, uh, Pastor Dale has said over the years. And those of you who've been around, you've heard this. He says, uh, now his word is different. It's the same word as intentional, but it just is different. How many of you have heard, ever heard him say, brother, you have to be definite. You ever heard that before? You've got to be definite. And what that means is you can't just say, hey, someday we will. No, you've got to be definite. Get out your calendar. Hey, what are you doing Tuesday? Hey, what are you doing next Sunday? Hey, let's. In other words, when you meet with that person and you intend to meet with them before you separate, make sure you have a date on your calendar. That's how you're definite. All right. Number three. The practical how-tos. Allow yourself to be seen. Allow yourself, your real self, to be seen. Being vulnerable with those around you. In this environment, you can be authentic, be yourself, and this takes time and trust. Part of the loneliness or a big part of why people are lonely is because they are not, they don't experience too many relationships where they can be themselves. Now, the wonderful thing about marriage, if you have a good marriage, is you can be yourself and be totally accepted. That's what I appreciate about marriage life. Whew. There's all the good, the bad, the ugly, and still loves me. Anyway. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about other people. who are. But do you think that God, that's the only relationship where God intends for you to be yourself, to be open, to be vulnerable? No, I don't. So that's why a person can be married and have that wonderful, intimate relationship with their spouse, but still feel a void, still be lonely. And I believe God wants us to be in relationships where we can be, here I am. Take it, you know, like it or not, here I am. And where I can still be accepted. The warts, the ugliness, all the flaws. Knowing that. Okay, here's who I am. I'm, I'm growing. I'm moving forward. But here's where I am right now. Now, that is not something like on a Sunday morning we can't all come and we're not going to say, here I am. Because we don't, we don't trust that. You know what I mean? And I don't expect you to come here on Sunday morning and just be who you are. Because there is risk involved in that. Because you say, here I am, you might get shot. I get a grenade thrown at you. And so when I'm talking about developing relationships or relational environment, talking about environments where you can be in a situation, environment and environment relationships where you can say, here I am. And your brother and sister say, nice to meet you. I accept you. Now, of course, you can do that uh, one-on-one or in small groups. You can't do that in a big setting. It's too scary. And I don't think that's, an, it's, I don't know if that, even know if that's possible. And so one thing we are doing as far as leadership here, we are learning and to develop these types of environments. You know, small group environments where people can be authentic. They can be who they are. They can be open. They can be real. They can be transparent. Because I believe is when you are in those environments, that's when you begin to grow. Because when I show my flaws, my, my weaknesses, and remember I'm, I'm open to accountability in teaching, a brother can say, hey, brother, let me help you with this. 
And that's what I want. So I want to be in a place where I can allow myself to be seen. And one thing, I believe the the men who are involved in the NFL, that's what that's becoming. I'm thinking, what is it about this that I like so much? Why is that becoming one of the highlights of my week? I've been in small groups before. How many of you have been in small groups before? In those small groups, did you ever get to the place? Now, some of you may and some, but did you ever get to a place where you can be, here I am. How many of you guys have experienced that in small groups? Awesome. How many of you have never experienced that yet? Were you in a grouping saying, here I am. Anybody not? Okay. But this is why I believe the NFL is so valuable. Because I've been in small groups before. But I'm seeing something play out in this group where guys are opening up, saying, here I am, and they're not getting shot down. They're not getting laughed at. They're not getting made fun of. But when one guy opens up and says, here's the, here's the real me, and another guy watches and sees if he gets taken out, and he doesn't, so he says, oh, that worked. He says, well, here I am too. And you have brothers sharing their hearts, opening up. We have men sharing their testimonies. And it's awesome. It's been awesome. And it's been exciting. Because we don't have this figured out. And we don't have the ABCs. Okay, if we do this, then we do this, then we do this. We're just following the leading of the Lord. And we're, we're becoming more vulnerable to one another. And we're liking the results. And so if you never allow yourself to get in that kind of a situation then I believe you're going to stay pretty lonely. You're not going to really grow the way you would like to. Number four, practice hospitality. Plain and simple. Practice hospitality. If you are married, you and your spouse need to sit down and develop a plan, date, time, and agenda. Because again, this isn't convenient. If you're single, you need to practice hospitality. And what this is, what I mean by this is where you... Um, or intentional inviting people in your home, inviting people to, excuse me, to be with you, to fellowship with them. And this is where we have to be intentional. And, you know, uh, Pastor Dale was sharing earlier about the missionary conference that we have coming up. You know, our desire is to, I'm not sure how many visitors we have, how many couples and all that kind of thing, but it would be awesome If every single guest that came, we had a host home for. To me, that'd be awesome. Matter of fact, that'd be the goal. Is we wouldn't have to put them in a hotel unless they just wanted to stay in a hotel. Because some people are that way. Because they don't want to open up. But they feel they just want to be in a hotel. And if that's their choice, then that's fine. But if they're like, yeah, I'd love to stay in a host home. We'd love to have enough homes for them. And one of the benefits about having a missionary in your home, you get them to yourself for a lot of, lot of time. You know, they come and they share what's going on in their ministry. But if you want to hear the real good juicy stories, have one in your home and you get them all to yourself. And you hear all the cool testimonies and the behind the scenes stuff and all the, the trials and the hardships. And, and you get a, it's a really good time of fellowship. So that's just a little tidbit. Hope you, to invite you to participate that way. You know, going to the ladies' lunch, 
lunch that's coming up this week. You know, coming out to the NFL, different things, we, we're, um, we don't feel like it. I'd rather just sit at home. It's, you know, I don't want to be outside. I don't want to come out on Sunday nights, and I'd rather just stay home and watch the thunder whip up on San Antonio. Oops, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, I did. <laughs> it's so easy just to stay in your zone. It really is, isn't it? You have to fight for relationship. The main thing you have to fight for is yourself. Your, your natural tendencies is to stay by yourself, to stay at home. Especially if you've had a long week of work and, and busyness. You just want to stay home. But if you don't start now, when are you? When are you going to start? You know, when you think, you know, I'd love to get to know so-and-so. Take opportunities. Be definite. Be aggressive. And one thing I want to say, don't wait. Don't have the mentality. Well, I hope people are paying attention. I hope people are listening. So, okay, someone go ahead and invite me. Someone be hospitable to me. Come on. My phone's not ringing. Did I miss any phone calls? No, nobody's calling me. Come on. What's wrong with y'all people? You have to take the initiative. You have to be the aggressor. Don't wait for people to invite you. You go after people. Amen? You go after them. Go after them. Well, that was number five. Got ahead of myself. Number six, you have to be committed to dealing with conflict when it comes up. If you want to move towards relationship and you value relationship, and you want to grow, I promise you this, I'll be willing to bet you a million dollars that there will be conflict. There will be conflict. And you know, one guy on in, um, the Love and Respect Marriage Conference, he says, um, Dr. Egrick says that conflict in marriage is God's will. It's his design. So, brothers and sisters who are married, it's God's will for you to have conflict. Doesn't that sound encouraging? How's that for marriage encouragement 101? Now, why is that? You know, and, and, and we were talking about this in staff the other day, and Stephen brought up a good point. You know, when you have things in the Bible that aren't clear cut, that you can, you can have people stand on this side of the agreement or this side of the issue, and this, people on this side of the same issue, and they both have scriptures to back up their point, and it's like, which one is it? Is it this or this? And people are like, this is the way it is. I'm, I'm going to die on this point. People over here are saying, this is the way it is. And there are things in the scriptures, if you haven't noticed, that are like that. It's like, why is that? I don't know. But one good reason could be, I thought Stephen brought up this good point, is so that we... As men and women of God can practice walking in love towards one another. Because, see, it's easy to love someone that I agree with. If you agree with me and you see things the way I see it, amen, brother, amen, sister, you're good to go. I knew you were a real Christian. I knew it. But if you disagree with me on an issue, 
Can we still walk in relationship? Can we still walk in fellowship together? Can we still walk in love together, even though we disagree on this issue? Can we? Unfortunately, many Christians cannot. They come to this issue, they don't get along, they don't come out eye, and they separate. And then they miss out on the on the jewels and the diamonds and the, the treasure of what God has for them that would come through that relationship if they persevere and work that situation out. Now, that's just on a doctrinal uh, level. But what about just everyday conflict? You have expectation with a brother or a sister. They violate or they disregard your expectation. And then you get upset. How are you going to deal with it? Get upset, talk about them, gossip about them, defame their character, but never talk to them about the situation? Or are you going to say, you know what? I really value you. I value our relationship. So as uncomfortable as it may be, I'm going to do whatever it takes to try to get this worked out. If everybody in the church would do that one thing, we would experience revival. Say, well, how do you say that? Because God commands his blessing where brothers dwell together in unity. And imagine the level of unity that we would experience if everybody said, you know what? I will work through conflict. We know that's God's will. But if we did it, the, the level of unity that we would experience. I mean, just think about it. The Bible says God commands his blessing. If he commands it, it has to happen, right? So if we walked in that level of unity, God's blessing would be at a higher level. That's just a side note. So we have to. See, Matthew 5, I'm going to read this real quick. I didn't even get to Ephesians. I probably won't today. But Matthew 5, verse 23, it says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering to God. You know, God is more concerned about your relationship with your brother or sister than he is about your offering before him. You realize that. So we get it backwards. How does that work out in every day? If we're here, if I'm here worshiping, bringing my offering of worship to the Lord, and he reminds me, do you realize that so-and-so has something against you, that so-and-so is upset with you? It may not be practical, especially if that person isn't here. It may not be practical for me to stop and then go get with that person. But if I... Commit in my heart. Yes, Lord, I will get it worked out. And then as soon as I can, when worship's over, I call up the brother. I go meet with him and I say, hey, what's going on? How can we resolve this? And see, that is so difficult, so challenging because it goes against our flesh, our soul, whatever. Because we don't want conflict. We're afraid of it. 
And if I stay away from and continue to avoid that conflict, then I will never grow into maturity. That's an iPhone because mine makes that sound too. I recognize it. So these six things has to become non-optional to you. You have to make room in your life for relationships. You have to allow yourself to be seen, to be vulnerable. You need to practice hospitality. Don't wait for people to come after you. Go after them. And you have to be committed, committed to dealing with conflict when it comes up. If we would commit to practicing those things, you'll see great growth in your life. Great growth in this church. Great growth in the kingdom. Because it's these kinds of things, it's every day. I mean, this doesn't sound as exciting. I mean, I could, I could talk about healing and miracles, and I get excited about that kind of thing. But imagine. See, I believe I am talking about miracles right now. Imagine the level of kingdom living, kingdom presence of God we would experience if we begin to walk in this kind of relationship. Just imagine with me. Because Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. So one thing I get from that is when a group of people are walking in that kind of relationship, love for one another, God's going to put them on display so that the world can see them and know that they're his disciples and say, I want that. I want that. What you guys are doing, how you guys treat each other. I want a bunch of that. So now here's my question to you in closing. Do you want this? This is a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but in your heart. Because, of course, if I said, raise your hand if you want this, everybody would raise their hands. Unless you were sleeping and didn't hear the question. <laughs> then you'd wake up and raise your hand because everybody else is raising their hand and didn't realize you just committed to giving me $1,000. Like, yes, brother, I see that hand. Thank you very much. So you might want to stay awake. I'm just kidding. So how many of us want this? And say, yes, Lord, this is what I want. Yes, Lord, I give you permission. I cooperate with you for you to deal with me, deal in my life so that I'm able to move towards this. And next week we'll talk about hindrances. What would keep you from moving forward? What would keep you from not? Wanting this. Go ahead and stand with me, if you would.